Thaddeus Ellenberg presents Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg. In 1981, filmmaker Leslie Peters joined legendary funny man and television icon Francis O'Donnell on his trip back home to New Bridgeburg, Connecticut, for the first time in over 30 years. O'Donnell broke onto the comedy club scene in the early 1960s, before landing a job on the writing staff of the Milligan Sisters Variety Hour. There, he made his television acting debut, and by the early 1970s had risen to sitcom superstardom with The Francis O'Donnell Show, impersonating and joking his way into the hearts of Americans everywhere. Peters is now celebrated hour-long TV special, highlights the comedian's roots, and showcases his more affectionate and sentimental side, a side rarely seen by audiences. Francis goes back as an intimate portrait of a comic, a writer, an actor, a director, an innovator, and a man. The following is a reading of the film's transcript, with state-of-the-art audio reconstruction. Birds chirping. Gentle wind. Francis goes back. Sounds of an old car on a dirt road. Francis. I think New England is just about the prettiest, most perfect place a kid could come from and call home. Especially in autumn, which is a word only New Englanders can use. This place, it, uh, it stirs up a kind of nostalgia as is the sensation I think most have when returning home. A longing for when things were, uh, not necessarily simpler, but certainly less complicated. A time without portable cassette players and cable converter boxes. You ever try to use one of those? Like a damn Rubik's Cube, which is basically a $1.99 version of twiddling your thumbs. Are, are they a sponsor? Oh boy, we're gonna get some mail for that one. Things and people go at a different pace around here. There's a kind of comfort and serenity in that. I'm hopeful that what will come of this journey into the past is, uh, well, a recharge for one. Something to get me through my third act. And, uh, I'm expecting a humbling experience. A reminder. I think we all need the occasional reminder of where we're from. Often, I think, will it hold the answers to where we're going? It's important to remember why we made the decisions we made. The catalyst for our dreams. That reminds me of the old Macmillan and Sons funeral parlor slogan. Except they'd say, the Cadillac for your dreams. They sold this beauty of a coffin. It was silver with detailing, looked like a fancy bullet. Or some kind of regal soapbox car. Oh, how we loved our derbies. Leslie, maybe there, show me as a kid in an oversized bowler or something. The rim resting on my nose. Maybe with a slow push in, that'd be funny. Speaking of cars... This is a 1958 Ford Etzel. Anybody who knows cars knows that the Etzel name was and still remains synonymous with success and luxury. See the toilet seat grill on the front? Also kind of looks like a vagina, so you know right away there's something magical under the hood. I'll never forget the day my father brought it home. He had the biggest smile on his face. He was so proud of this car. It was a testament to his hard work 
and a man's God-given right to make a foolish purchase based solely on marketing hype. In the driveway, I remember I pulled down my pants and stuck my butt to the grill and requested some privacy. One I wouldn't do for a laugh in those days. Had I known Stacy Sutton was having her birthday party across the street, I may have chosen a less revealing form of jest. She was my best friend growing up. Actually, I carried quite the torch for Stacy. I was deeply, profoundly in love with that woman. We were eight years old. We would walk along this road in the summertime pretending our car had broken down and we were late for a dinner party in the city. A fundraiser. I remember I bought her this giant diamond ring from Grover Schwartz for two bits. It was his mother's. He told his parents it was stolen and blamed it on a drifter that had just started work as a bag boy at the penny and save and was, you know, getting his life back together. Uh, we were crazy back then. Yep, this old thing brings back a lot of memories. I learned to drive in this car. Went to my first drive-in theater in this car. Learned how to cut through a bra strap in that back seat there. Which I could have sworn was tan. Actually, you know, uh, now that I... Now that I think about it... I'm sorry. Our first car was an Airflow. That's right, a Chrysler Airflow. My old man lost it pitching pennies out behind the barbershop after like a week from driving off the lot. I had never seen that look on my mother's face before. It was as if she was thinking, I could have done better. Then that means, uh, huh. You know, uh, I'm not entirely sure where this car came from. Leslie, do we know where this car came from? What are you, what are you signaling? What, are you waving? Would you stop doing that with your hand? I don't know what that means. Well, it's distracting. Anyway, about five miles up the road here is the quaint little town of New Bridgeburg, Connecticut. That's where I was born. And that's where I grew up. Come on, what do you say? Let's take a trip down Memory Boulevard. Sounds of traffic, Francis. Now this is the main thoroughfare in downtown New Bridgeburg. Every Easter we'd wake up early to stake out the best spot to view the parade. They stopped running that in 53 after one of the floats caught fire. All that fur and fake grass, whoosh, went right up in flames. Same thing happened at the egg hunt. Now it's hard to tell if the eggs were incendiary by design or if it was, you know, some kind of fluke at the farm. Now the Christmas parade, oh, that was a magical time. Wreaths and bows on all the lampposts and lights strung over the road here. We waited all year for that parade because, you know, that had meant Christmas had come. We would stand out here in the cold for hours just to see Santa. And I was uh, a pretty susceptible kid, you know, impressionable. I bought the whole Santa thing hook, line, and sinker. In those days, Santa was played by a man named Rafe Fletcher worked at the lighting and ceiling fan shop back behind us a couple blocks. And his son, uh, now his name was Doug, took over the gig after him, and then Doug's son after him. It was a Santa Claus dynasty. And at that time, the Fletchers were known around town as a family of lushes, you know, drunks. And one year, I'll never forget it. Tide went on pretty good before the parade, and in the middle of it, he stood up, pulled down his pants, and peed off the side of the float. It hit me square in the forehead. I was nine years old and Santa publicly peed on my face. Oh, it ruined Christmas that year. 
Next several, if my memory serves me well. Now up here on the left, that was the music shop. On the corner here at the video rental, that used to be... That used to be Skippy's Soda Shop. I took Mildred Wachowski there after the 8th grade formal, and we had a butterwhip sundae and six cups of black coffee. She wore this beautiful blue dress with little yellow flowers all over it. I remember because at one point I sneezed and tried holding it back, and a small bead of mucus launched from my mouth and landed on her dress. She didn't see it, but I couldn't stop staring at that tiny damp spot on her chest. Of course, she noticed my gazes and, you know, took them the wrong way. Which is funny because I later learned that night after I walked her home, she met up with Mitchie Arnold and they necked because his sister died. And down that street is the old roller rink. Across from the new roller rink. Indiscernible insult. Can you believe that guy? What does he know about ratings? And over here was Cooper's Hardware. What? Well, how do you like that? Cooper's is still here. This was my first job. I was 12 years old and would come in after school. I'd sweep the floor, take out the trash, arrange the nuts and bolts by their metallic hue. You know, little odd jobs like that. I'd get home around 11 after everybody was asleep and usually fry myself a spam sandwich. It was nice. We had fun. Let's pull over here. I want to stop for a second and go inside. I want to see how much it's changed. Look at this. All this is new. The hedge and planters. Sidewalk, too. Used to just be a sort of thickness of cigarette filters and war propaganda leaflets everybody merely perceived as a pathway. Francis. Oh, wow. It still has that smell. Like the Tin Man smoking wood dust from a plastic pipe. You know what I mean? You can taste it through your nose. Footsteps shuffling. Cooper. Little Francis O'Donnell, I don't believe it. Francis. Is that who I think it is? Cooper. Well, this is a treat. Mr. Fancy Britches has returned to our sleepy little... What was that you called it on your show? A rube incubator? Francis. America, I'd like you to meet Mr. Don Cooper. One of those great salt-of-the-earth new Bridgeburg characters I remember so fondly. Mr. Cooper, tell the folks back home when you open the doors to this... Cooper. I had this boss. My first boss, actually. He smelled of fermented fish and open sores. And let's not forget his odors. Francis. Mr. Cooper's sense of humor is what made him so likable around town. <laughs> what was that one you had about the dairy cow in Stripes? Cooper. The constant smell of pickled fish wafting throughout the store gave it its indistinguishable charm. Francis. Uh, you got it memorized and everything. <laughs> you know, I seem to recall reading an article in last month's digest about the uh, health benefits of fish. Did you see that? Really, it's a miracle food. I'm eating it three meals a day, sometimes for a snack. Cooper. It was as if a military field infirmary started selling overpriced hammers and burnt popcorn. Francis. I see you moved the plungers. Cooper. I mean, this fat piece of was so revolting. Francis. Yeah, well, I think we uh, got everything we needed. Cooper. When he blew on his coffee, it curdled the milk. Francis. He's teasing. I, I don't do coffee jokes. Cooper. Well, that's what you said, isn't it? On one of your records? In fact, I think I have the very record right here behind the counter all queued up. You want I should play it for your viewing audience? 
Francis. Oh, I don't want to bore everybody with my past. That's that's not uh, why we're here. No, we're looking to see New Bridgeburg in the now, moving forward, leaving the past where it belongs, behind a counter with notably visible rust. Cooper, give me that camera. I haven't had a customer in 20 years. You destroyed my livelihood, Francis. Look out, he's got an axe handle. Cooper, they put sardines in my mailbox. Francis, he's going for the keys. Cooper, do not duplicate, do not duplicate. Francis, everybody crawl the car, protect your eyes. So I worked there until, uh, I want to say my, yeah, my junior year of high school. Oh look, the A&C cafeteria is still here. Heartwarming piano music. Francis. In every man's past, you'll find a structure of such and such square footage with so many rooms. Sturdy craftsmanship and a feeling of belonging. A place he once called home. Well, this is mine. 54 Perennial Lane. This is where I grew up. Right behind me there in that little blue house with the big porch. Oh, I miss that porch. My old man and I would sit out there for hours having those classic father and son heart-to-hearts. Non-verbally, of course. My dad wasn't a big talker. Unless I had, you know, left a toy in his immediate path. I treasure those moments. I'm happy to see the maple tree still here. Isn't that a magnificent tree? God, I love this house. Let's take a peek inside and see who's home. Francis. Hello, is anybody home? It's Francis O'Donnell. Well, hello there. You must be Ethan. Robbie? Cold shoulder, huh? What do you got in your hand there? The sponge? It's kind of weird. Do you know who I am? He's <laughs> a bashful little fella. Are your parents home? Did you know that I lived in this house when I was your age? We moved here when I was two years old. It was 1928. Do you know how long ago that was? Same old song, huh? Settle in, folks. We're gonna be here for a while. Oh, but stick around, he's got a big number in the second half. Distant arguing, heavy footsteps. Mother. You're leaving? Boyfriend. That's right, I'm leaving. Mother. So you're just walking out? Boyfriend. That's what you do when you leave. Mother. What What are we supposed to do? How, how are we going to get by? Boyfriend. I'm sure that little business venture of yours upstairs will keep you afloat. Land you a real thoroughbred. Mother. Please, they just shut off the gas and the doctor says Robbie might need one of those back braces. How am I going to pay for that working at the diner? Doubles won't cover it. Boyfriend, then I'd make sure that thoroughbred with a big purse. See you around, kid. You're disgusting. Mother. Oh, I'm... I'm disgusting? Fine! Get the hell out of here! And you know something else? You were right. You'll never be these kids' father, you bum. You no-good, lousy bum. Francis. It's the Francis O'Donnell Show. Mother. 
What? Francis. Is this a bad time? Mother. Who the hell are you? Francis. I, uh, I'm Francis. Uh, O'Donnell? Mother. Yeah, we already got a Bible. Francis. No, Francis O'Donnell. I, I've returned to New Bridgeburg to visit and see my childhood home. Mother. Mm, you're the comedian. Yeah, they said you'd be by. Didn't you die like five years ago? Francis. That's a... Uh, <laughs> do you... Do you need a moment? Mother. Why do you keep whispering? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Please excuse my appearance. I, I was out back tending the tomatoes. Francis. Yes. Well, that's some pretty rich soil you got back there, if I recall. I remember Sunday afternoons in the vegetable garden with my mother. We used to... Mother. Say, does this thing pay anything? Because I got bills, and this looks like a lot of equipment. Francis. I'm sure we can set you up with some t-shirts from the studio store. Leslie, can... We can... Let's get this lovely family some t-shirts. Mother. Yeah, I need cash. Francis. Wow, would you look at this living room. Mother. Leslie, I'm a small. Write that down. Francis. Boy, does this bring back memories. Ah. I haven't stepped foot in here in 35, I don't know how many years. It looks exactly the same. Maybe, uh, maybe a few more exposed wires, but this is it. Is that a cable spool with carpet stapled to it? And there, there seems to be, uh, is anyone else feeling nauseated? Nobody? I feel, I feel lightheaded. Leslie, do a slow pan here with old photos. Maybe the sound of a movie projector, even though they're stills. Birthdays, my mother's bridge club nights, my original production of Death by Cape, The Magician's Struggle. The whole thing took place in his dressing room, and the family ate it up. Though after a three-week engagement in the living room with two shows on Saturday and Sunday, their laughter shifted to them saying, that's funny. We used to sit right here on the floor and listen to the radio after dinner. Oh, it was a marvelous time. We listened until we giggled ourselves senseless. Arthur Peabody, the Albertsons Lie Comedy Hour, Jester Woodrow. And then at Christmas, we put the tree over here where the, uh, where the, the, the easy chair is. Sound of soft crying. Mother. This was his favorite chair. He never left it once, the lazy bum. He ate all of his meals right here. Leslie, get a shot of the butt groove. Really get in there tight. Francis. As I was saying, we would gather around here and open presents in front of the fireplace. One year, I asked my parents for this spy pen that wrote in invisible ink. And it had the secret compartment that could hold a single match. All I got that year was a ream of onion skin paper. I've never been more confused in my entire life. Mother. Last year, he got me a can of pink salmon. He had such a big heart. Faint sound of a crew member being sick. Francis. And in here's the dining room, and that's the kitchen around the corner. My mother was a fantastic cook. She, uh, she used to make this corned beef hash that was... I say she used to make this corned beef hash that was the saltiest thing you'd ever tasted. She'd serve it with two beet yolks, a bowl of buttered donuts, and an ashtray, then send me off to school. Once they found me down the street on Magnolia, passed out in Evelyn Walker's yard with my heart racing. You see, Ethan? Where's Ethan? 
Ethan? Ah! Startled me. Have you been standing behind me this whole time? Mother, we think he has the autism. Francis. I see. I was going to say that when I was your age, we didn't have loco berries or cinnamon flakes with magical characters all over the box. No, our food came in boxes that looked like they were covered in public service announcements. And every kitchen had a crowbar for breaking open the canisters. I believe I saw your families in the front yard. By the plastic, sun-faded toddler toy and trash bag half-filled with rainwater. In case you your mother were looking for it. Francis. Now, of course, our bedrooms were upstairs here. My parents' room was down the hall there. I probably went in there a total of two times. And my room... My room was here by the bathroom. It was my sanctuary. <laughs> it had this... What is this? A padlock? There's a padlock on my room. Who puts a padlock inside? Mother. Yeah, sorry, that room's off limits. To Ethan. Isn't it, sweetie? Francis. Off limits? This is my old room. Mother. Yeah, well, you're behind on your rent, and we don't accept t-shirts. Francis. <laughs> That's quite amusing. But I'm sure the fans sitting at home would like to see my childhood bedroom. Mother. Oh, I'm sure they would. That sounds like a fantastic idea. Show them where your bed was, the wall you did shadow puppets on and discovered your imagination. All the memories come flooding back. Maybe you shed a tear. Francis. That would be nice, yes. Mother. Yeah, then that's a real shame that room's off limits. Francis. But I was going to tell everybody about how I could see from my window straight into Ruth Wiseman's bedroom and how that was the first time I ever saw a woman naked. And the second time. And the third and fourth and fifth. You don't understand. I held firmly to those images through three marriages. Mother. You want to see where our washer and dryer used to be before we sold it to get the CD player? Sound of crickets. Francis, whispering. Well, it's just after midnight and we've returned once again to my boyhood home here at 54 Perennial Lane. After we left, I was thinking of how much time I spent here at night, how I reflected in its silence. And for you folks back home to fully appreciate the environment I grew up in, it's important to see it in all its splendorous shades. Leslie, pick up that crowbar. Stay on me. In the summertime, we would catch fireflies out here in the yard. It was all so picturesque. In July, we shot fireworks from maple cane soda bottles. Let's check the front door first. See where I'm walking. Turn on your light. That's better. Oh my god, my poor home. Look at this place. Looks like an indoor yard sale. And what is that odor? Listen, nobody throws up, okay? I mean it. What is what is this? A box of taco shells? God, I bet they're so stale. I mean look. Look at the box. It's losing its color. Come on, let's go upstairs. Oh, sh It's okay. It's okay. It's just Ethan. Hey, buddy. What are you doing up so late? Standing eerily alone in the dark. Couldn't sleep? 
Here, you want your sponge? Okay, he's fine. He's got his sponge. Let's keep going. Everybody watch your step. The floor's soft here. Stairs creaking. Down the hall. Leslie, give me the crowbar. I said give me the crowbar, not a look of disapproval. Thank you. We're gonna do this special. We're gonna do it right. Man's voice. Is that you, madam? Mmm, morning already? Francis. What the f***? Man. Hey, I'm Al. I'm just up from the city for a few days, little weekend getaway. You know, it helps me unwind. Francis. There's a guy tied up. There's a guy tied up in my bedroom. Mother. I said that room's off limits. Francis. No sh run. The f***? Where's Leslie? Leslie! There's no time. We tried everything. She's gone. We'll remember her kindness and fashion sense. Did you get that? What was that? Who was that guy? It was so much leather. So much. Mother. I told you people that room was off limits! Isn't that right, sweetie? Get in the car, hurry! Mother banging on windshield. Francis. You know, this reminds me of those early winter mornings with my old man trying to thaw the engine. I pretended we were stuck on the side of a mountain in a down plane. He'd yell, Francis, damn it, get your hands out of your pants. Francis. Well, we're driving to the uh, hotel now. This time in the, uh, in the right direction. It's about three in the morning. Everybody's pretty worn out. Some good and solid sack time is just what the family doctor ordered. And if we get there in six minutes, we'll log us, so oh, just under three hours. Now I remember when all this was farmland. What would you call it now? A lot. Hotel sign buzzing. Francis. All in all, I uh, think it was a pretty successful first day. And, uh, an interesting first day, actually. But, you know, I, I think that's also what one hopes to gain from returning home. Something unexpected. Something surprising. Shocking, actually. In fact, I still can't get a few of the startling images out of my head. I know I'm gonna have a difficult time eating cocktail wieners from here on out. But I'm happy to see that New Bridgeburg certainly hasn't lost its small-town charm. May have picked up a little edge and some some riffraff with unconventional lifestyles here and there, but you know that's to be expected. As the country changes, so does New Bridgeburg. And I, for one, I'm excited to see how the rest of the towns developed over the years. The wonderful people, my old school, and of course my favorite fishing hole. I'm predicting some wonderful things. Until then, I'm going to get a little shut eye while you enjoy these commercials brought to you by some really fine people.
This has been a production of Thaddeus Ellenberg's Casual Friday. Written and read by Thaddeus Ellenberg. With an introduction by Nicole Kalasich. And artwork by Adrian Lobel. This series is independently produced by Thaddeus Ellenberg and Will Scovel. To find more episodes and information, visit our website at casualfridaypodcast.org or email us at contact.casualfriday at gmail.com.